Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome to uh, WDIC News Talk 1080. This is the Will Marotti Show. Uh, this is Will Marotti. Matt Sorice at the uh, control panel, monitoring and controlling the tempo of the program. And, and you, you are the, the valued, valued guests that we have on every day, this caller-driven program. Um, wow, there's a lot going on. We're going to have Themis Claritis on at 935. I want to talk to her about uh, well, her take on... The governor and test kits and extra rebates to income tax credits, whatever we're going to call them. People moving out of Connecticut. You can just get her take on things. All things Connecticut this morning. Um, but, you know, it's amazing to me, and I think you should be encouraged this morning, because parts of... Fragments of the mainstream media are finally waking up to this this COVID calamity. You know, not to say COVID's not. I hate having to make these disclaimers, but it, 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 the problem is whenever you say anything that's not in the talking points, you're you're labeled a, a COVID denier, or anti-vax, or and none of that is true with me. So I, I, I feel, though, I have to make this disclaimer that obviously COVID is real. Obviously, many people have died. Many people are ill. Many people are getting ill. But the government's response to this has not always been good. And I think a lot of what we have seen in terms of economy, businesses, is a direct result of government overreach. But that's that's just me. We've got a, a great editorial here from Bloomberg, the Bloomberg editorial board. I'll just I'll give you the title of it. Children cannot afford teacher walkouts. It's very damaging, very damaging. We've got, I've got a, a Brown College, an, uh, an op-ed from a Brown College professor saying that this is this is it's being overdone. It's overreach. And this is not March 2020. We shouldn't be responding the same way to it. 
So that and a lot more to talk about, but your calls, 800-966-9842-860-522-9842. It is 9-11. Let's take a moment, center our our thoughts here, and um, ask for God's help because we need it. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your grace, mercy, another day of life, another day to be able to uh, enjoy what you've blessed us with. We come to you this morning asking for your help. We want to pray for those that are are ill and struggling with, with disease. We pray for healing for them. We want to pray for the um, hospital workers that are that are caring for them and feeling the extra strain and the extra stress of this COVID latest COVID spike. We want to pray for our uh, particularly our our first responders and our our police officers and fire fighters because of covid their staffing is down uh right now and they're struggling we want to pray for children in school kids need to be in school make that possible by giving teachers good health strength through this time and uh and help our leaders because we really feel like they need our they need your help they need your guidance they need your direction and um and guide and direct us as well thank you for the this opportunity to speak, the program, the liberty we have, the freedom we have, freedom of speech that we have, and we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, can I get amen out there? <laughs> Thank you yesterday, by the way, for the amens that came through. I appreciate that very much. Um, <clears throat> so the mainstream media, I believe, is really starting to tune into the fact that I, I don't know that it's been a look-behind-the-curtain Wizard of Oz moment yet, <clears throat> but... It certainly has been a um, what's going on here moment. And you're starting to see it. You're starting to see it in some of the, uh, uh, this story here. This is an op-ed piece by Emily Oster. She is a professor at Brown University. And and she says universities need to catch up to the post-vaccine reality. Uh, This is just from yesterday. January 5th, many universities have announced to pivot to remote learning for at least part of January. Among them are UCLA, Columbia, Duke, Yale, Stanford, Michigan, the list goes on. This move in response to the rapid spread of the Omicron variant feels like a return to March 2020 when virtually all universities closed for in-person learning, sending students home for spring break, telling them do not come back. At this point, keeping students away from, at that point, keeping students away from campus was reasonable. Now, however, the decision is a mistake. It reflects an outmoded level of caution. It represents a failure of universities to protect the students' interests. And she goes on, and I, I think she's absolutely right. We'll, we'll tell you, if we have time, we'll go into more of this later. Um, kids need to be in school. All kids. College kids, high school kids. And here, and here now, this is st- uh, phase two of people starting to wake up to what's going on around here. This from the Chicago Tribune. Classes are canceled. Chicago Public Schools on Thursday, this is from yesterday, after district officials and union teachers again fi- uh, failed to come to terms on COVID-19 safety measures. Via second day of up, Mayor Lori Lightfoot on Wednesday angrily called, now this is Lori Lightfoot, the most liberal progressive mayor defund the police i mean everything that's wrong with progressivism 
has been displayed at one point or another with Mayor Lori Lightfoot. She calls it unlawful unilateral strike by the Chicago Teachers Union, a reference to the union's vote earlier this week to refuse in-person learning until its demands for enhanced current mitigations are implemented. If you care about our students, says the mayor, if you care about our families, as we do, we have to have them back in school. Period. Full stop, Lightfoot said Wednesday. Again, insisting schools are safe despite spiking case numbers in the city. Some schools have enough staff reporting to work for in-person instruction as soon as, uh, as soon as Friday, Chicago Public School System said in a letter released late Wednesday night. Other schools have more limited capacity. Now, clearly, if you don't have enough teachers because they're sick, well, that, that's, that's one part of the equation. But if you're just not happy with whatever procedure or mitigation plan is being provided, teacher union, you just don't walk out. But they are. But they are. So, so see, the, the, the good news about this is people are starting to be at odds with each other within, within the progressive party. They're being at odds with how it's being handled, how it's being taken, how it's being controlled. Mayo Clinic, yesterday, Mayo Clinic fires 700 unvaccinated employees. Weeks after nurses' warning, the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota fired 700 unvaccinated health care workers on Tuesday, despite nurses at the clinic issuing a warning several weeks ago about staffing shortages. While Mayo Clinic is saddened to lose value of employees, we need to take all the steps necessary to keep patients, workforce, visitors, and communities safe, the Mayo Clinic said in a statement Tuesday in confirming the mass firings. How hypocritical. How hypocritical. Right? These same people a year ago were healthcare heroes. Healthcare heroes, remember? Remember, there'd be people lined, I mean, I remember in New York City, there'd be people lining the streets in their apartments, cheering for healthcare workers as they went back and forth to work. That was only a year ago. Cheering how great things, the healthcare workers were. Healthcare heroes, and now they're vaccine villains. Officials at the 700 workers who were terminated represent 1% of Mayo Clinic's workforce. While the final numbers are not available, 99% of the staff of all Mayo Clinic locations have complied with vaccine requirements. You know, now the good news is we've got some judges coming up on the other side. We had the case earlier this week where Navy SEALs were protected. 200 Navy SEALs. They were going to off 200 Navy SEALs because they wouldn't take the vaccines. You know what a waste of money that would be? You know how much money we invest in training Navy SEALs? I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. So do you agree or disagree? That's the first question today. 800-966-9842, 860-522-9842. Do you think... The media, the mainstream media, do you think they're finally either A, awakening, or B, coming, coming clean with the realization that, that all is not well in COVID policy land? You've got, you've got now a fallout between CDC and Dr. Fauci. That's precious. So do you think it's too little too late? Do you think it's, it's good that it's happening, that these people are finally starting 
to to wake up to the mishandling of the government? Biden said, oh, this is a vaccine of the unvaccinated. No, it's not. No, it's not, because a lot of vaccinated people are getting getting sick again. Reinfection. We get stories all over the country about this. Here's another interesting point. And and I'm and I as a pastor, I'm very frustrated about this one. This one hard for current. As COVID cases surge in Connecticut, hospitals across the state have restricted patient visitation, echoing early months of pandemic during which outside contact was severely limited. Now, let me tell you, in my personal experience in the last few months, I have tried to and actually did visit three COVID patients in two different hospitals. And you can't believe the bargaining that went on. I get to one hospital, I'm told, oh, you can't go in there because they're on protect, uh, cautionary, cautionary uh, procedure, right? Precautionary. Well, what do you mean? Of course he is. He's got COVID and they're sick and they're not, and they're not doing well. Of course they're on precautionary measures. Well, you can't go in there. Well, well I, I, I need to go in there because I'm his pastor and I think they would like some prayer. Well, I can't go in. That, so that, that's step one. No, that's step two. Now somebody else comes out. I can't go in there. They're, they're on precautionary measures. I that's I know why they're on precaution, and I'm that's why the, his, their pastor's here to pray for them. Well, you can't go in. Listen, I've already had COVID, and I'm vaccinated. They have COVID. You've 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 confirmed it. So so I'm no risk to them. They have COVID, and I don't think they're risk to me because I've had COVID and I'm vaccinated. I feel good. No, you can't can't do that. Can't do that. Can't have, can't have you in visitation rules. Who else can I talk to? Next level. Three, now this is level three. Finally, you know what it came down to? Well, i got to sign a waiver. I'll sign a waiver. I don't care. And, and here's why. Here's why. Because because I, I think I'm so important. No. Here's what's important. Here's what's important. Personal support. When somebody's in a hospital and they're sick and they're afraid, and if you want to take a holistic approach to the recovery, you can't deny the spiritual component. I was in one hospital, patient had COVID, told I couldn't go in. I could I could talk to them through the glass door. That's the response I got. I said, no, I need to be in the room. I need to be next to them. I need to pray for them. They need to know that I'm present. Another one, oh, oh we, we could do this via iPad. No. No, we're not doing iPads and tablets. I need to be there. I need to be with them. So in all, in all three cases, thank, thank God, uh, the, the hospital saw the value of this, and I was able to go in the room and pray with them and talk with them. I've been doing this a long time. I'm telling you, people like personal connection. It means a lot to them, particularly when their family can't see them. When they can't be visited. In fact, with one with one case, the person the person did die. Other than me, there was only one other family member that could be with the person before they passed. And I can tell you how much the family appreciated the fact that I got into the room and was with the patient and prayed personally with them. 
So what do you think? Is this is this again overreach? Is this is this uh, prescription not accurate for the for the ill the illness? Eight hundred nine six six nine eight four two eight six zero five two two nine eight four two. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. Open the phone lines. Take your calls. Themis Claritis nine thirty five. Stay with us. Back to the Will Marotti Show on WTIC News Talk 1080. All right, welcome back, 926. So what do you think? What's your thought? Are the news, are some of the news folks starting to come out of the fog on this entire COVID situation. I don't mean the fact that real, not real. I'm talking about the government overreach, how it's been handled, how it's been handled. We're, we're starting to see places like the Atlantic question things that are being done. Starting to hear other reports from more mainstream, mainstream sort of journalists about how things are being handled in terms of vaccinations. Do you, do you think that, that that's going to happen? Do you think there's going to be an awakening? People are going to go, hey, wait a minute, what are we doing here? This doesn't make sense. A lot of stuff just it defies common sense. It really does. And do you think it makes a difference? Is it, little, is it too little, too late? How will we how will we handle education? Will we be closing down schools again? Now, I, I have to say that Connecticut's to credit Connecticut. I mean, I've been hearing a lot about keeping schools open around here, which I think is a good thing. I think that's what the kids need. The kids don't need to go back to last year. They don't need that. We don't. We, we, it's horrible. I mean, it's better than nothing, but it's 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 could, does not replace in person learning. What's your what's your take? What's your take on whether or not the CDC will will win in its process of making decisions, or will Dr. Fauci win? CDC has changed their quarantine guidelines. Dr. Fauci didn't agree. CDC is changing, starting to change mask guidelines. Dr. Fauci doesn't agree. Who's going to win out there? And again, is it too little, too late at this point? Is it we've, we've put up with enough of it long enough that you're just fatigued? You really don't care at this point. You're just throwing your hands up and you're like, oh, whatever. That's who I don't know. At 935, we're going to have Themis Claritis, uh, the former uh, Republican House leader. I'm going to talk to her about all things Connecticut. I'm going to talk to her about some of the things that uh, the governor has done, uh, tax, giving, giving out tax credits without really getting an approval from anyone. Maybe he doesn't need to. I don't know. Um, I'm going to talk about the, uh, the, the Van Line study, where uh, United Van Line study, where people are still moving out of Connecticut, fourth highest move-out rate in the country. Talk about that. Talk about uh, the, the uh, test debacle and just his general handling of COVID. He still has high approval numbers. And Chris Powell on yesterday said it's probably unwarranted. We'll see. We'll see. All right, so we're going to break for the for the news, and uh, and then we'll come back with Themis, and we'll take more of your calls. And uh, stay with us. Will Marotti, Will Marotti Show. Back to the Will Marotti Show on WTIC News Talk 1080. 
right, welcome back. 938 WTIC News Talk 1080. Another uh, regular guest we had on the last version of the Wilmarotti Show <laughs> was the uh, what I call the voice of clarity, former Republican House leader, Themis Claritus. And Themis is joining us now. Hello, Themis. Good morning. It's so nice to have you back. I can turn TIC back on at 9 a.m. Oh, oh, oh no. Uh, well, I'm glad to be back. Let me say that. It was a uh, a surprise, but uh, it worked out well, and, and I'm, I'm glad to be here. Um, thanks for taking time. You know, you're, you're, you've been out of politics for a little bit. Um, able maybe to sit back, take a step back, and, and consider some things. I, I just don't see this current governor living up to the expectations. I mean, he's got these high ratings for how he's handling COVID, and quite frankly, I, I don't think he's handled it that well. And now uh, we got an election coming up, and there's some things that have been done that I, I, I don't understand. I, I had uh, Vince Candelora on the other day. He wasn't quite clear about it either. I had a story that uh, came out that there's 200,000 Connecticut families getting a, an extra tax credit boost from the governor. And uh, we're trying to figure out who approved that. Does he just unilaterally make these decisions that he's giving out these additional tax credits, or um, does does he have to go to someone? I don't know, maybe the General Assembly, to to get, to get that kind of approval. What, what's your understanding of that, Clemens? Well, there. first of all, you know we've heard we if we go back in time four years, we see that the you know, the governor's first year approval ratings were painfully low. They were, mm. you know, depending on which poll you were looking at, yeah. they were anywhere from 22 to 26 or 27, wherever they were, they were objectively very bad. Where's the Malloy? People were, yes, which is unbelievable. Which is hard to believe, right? We we ever be saying the good old days of Dan Malloy, right? Who ever thought that would happen? Exactly. (laughs) And so, really, I mean, it's really, be careful what you wish for, right? (laughs) Uh, You know, and then, and, if you also remember back then, we were dealing with tolls on a daily basis, and he couldn't understand for the life of him why people weren't supporting tolls. Yeah. Now, we don't have to rehash that whole thing. We all know why, because we don't need another dime taken out of our pocket by the exactly. state of Connecticut. Right. Um, but he wasn't—he was painfully unpopular, and he didn't like the job. I don't know what he thought that job was. I don't know if he, you know, has read the Constitution lately or. He paid any attention to what was going on in Connecticut, but he didn't like it because he wasn't doing everything he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And if that had continued, we all know he wouldn't be running again. But things changed, and sadly, we got mired in a international health pandemic, which is horrible, no yeah. matter yeah. what you think of it or sure. which parts of it you agree with or don't agree with. And his popularity starts going up because now he's operating by executive order. Now, let's remember at, at one point when this whole thing broke, meaning COVID, none of us knew what the heck was going on, right? Sure. I mean, none of us. I don't care what party you were, where you lived. Mm-hmm. And it was very scary, and it's still scary in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But Agreed. but in the very beginning, the legislature closed down. Um, people were told to stay home, and the governor was operating by executive order because we had to batten down the hatches and see exactly what was happening. Okay, that's one thing when you have to assess something that nobody's ever experienced before. Mm-hmm. It is two years later, mm-hmm. and the Democrats in the legislature have allowed him to have, have executive orders. So, Pastor Will, to your question, 
What can he do on his own? He can do most anything on his own. And the Democrats have allowed him to do that. Not one Republican ever voted to extend these executive orders all along the way Mm -hmm. for for the past year. All right. And so this governor and this Democrat legislature have gotten used to the governor just doing all their work. And all the heat is off of them. Well, doesn't it give them a safety net if you're a Democrat legislator and something goes wrong? You can say, well, actually, the governor did it. It's the governor's fault. This is exactly what they do. I'll tell you what they do. They go into their district, and if the governor, if they're happy with what the governor did, their particular district, they'll be like, that's great. Isn't that great? He's our governor. That was my idea. Democrat (laughs) governor, my party. Exactly. If they don't like it, they'll be like, well, listen, we can't do anything about it. He has executive orders. Now, the people never ask the second question, right? Right. How does he still have these executive orders two years later when for one solid year now, the mm. legislature has been in active session. Mm. It has been modified a little bit, right? Some things that were virtual committee meetings, et cetera, but they have been in session. They've been passing bills. They have been having meetings. They have been having hearings, but they don't want the public in there and they don't want to take back the control that the people right. of this state voted so, so when does this end, Themis? When, 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 when does the legislature go back to work? I asked, I asked Ken Lord the other day. I said, "Are you?" Because he, he, he assumed, or at least he, he gave the impression that the, the general assembly would be going back into session. And, and I said, "Well, how do we know that? I mean, do we know that for sure? Is the session going to start? And, and when do the emergency powers end? I mean, you know, I, it seemed like forever ago, and I remember very clearly." executive order or emergency power order number one we had a we had a massive concert planned at the church mm-hmm. and i and i called you you're one of the first mm-hmm. people i called said what what yeah. are we supposed to do here we More ended up pulling the plug on a cancel it. we canceled it out of an abundance of caution but i mean that seems like it was forever ago and that wasn't that wasn't even two years ago when that happened right but so it was almost when, when does all this ago. stop when does this when, when when does the general assembly take back its it's constitutional responsibility to to be a representative government and lead. When does that happen? Well, right now he has these powers until, what, the end of February, because that mm-hmm. was the last vote a few months back that the Democrats and the legislature allowed him to have extend mm-hmm. these orders. Now, I think there's another facet to this that we haven't discussed yet. And okay. it is absolutely that these Democrat legislators, like going into their districts and either taking credit when they did something he didn't do, he mm-hmm. did do, or blaming him when he didn't. Mm-hmm. But the other facet is this. If we go back to that first year when Governor Lamont was governor, and he didn't like the job, and he wasn't doing a good job, and people didn't like him, and he didn't like what he was doing. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, when he gets executive orders yeah. and executive powers, his numbers go up. And he kind of likes it because he yeah. gets to do what he wants. Now sure. he says, how many times you hear him say, I like this job. Yeah, right. Because you get to do everything you want. If I got to do everything I want, I would probably like certain jobs too. So would you. He's but that's not, not what anybody. it is. This is democracy. No one... This is our constitution. This is a legislature and an executive branch. We operate separate, right. separate but equal branches right, of government. Right. He cannot lead when he has to do it the way he's supposed to do it. That's what I firmly believe so, is a large so part ba- of this. Back to the question. Do you think these powers will be extended beyond February? And at what point at what point does the legislature take up their duly elected responsibility? That's what they were voted in for. 
When when do they when do they stop the hands off approach and take the control back from the governor? I think that's a question we're going to get an answer to sooner than later in the next month or so when they have to vote again. But yeah. I have to tell you that remember this is a short legislative session, so mm-hmm. they're going to start again the first week of February, and they end the first week of May. Mm-hmm. That is not a lot of time. It's my understand. It's my gut feeling, and mm-hmm. is also my understanding from certain mm-hmm. Democrats in the state that I know. Mm-hmm. That they are going to go in, meaning the Democrats in the legislature, and do, and just sit back and do as little as possible. This governor is going to sit back and do as little as possible. He wants to preserve his mm-hmm. his uh, approval rating. Mm-hmm. And then we've what we've seen bantied about recently were tax rebates. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like a parody of someone being a governor. <laughs> what do you think he's going to do in the last year when he's yeah. got to get reelected? Oh, he's going to give money back to people. I mean, you could, you could write, I mean, you could play in that one, right? I mean, you, right. That, you that's, could write that's an script, old play, but the, but the problem with rebates and that kind of thing is they're sticking gum in a hole. Mm-hmm. People in the state deserve a state that they can afford to live in, right? They shouldn't be bought off by a few hundred dollars or whatever number he's going to pick to get a few dollars back. That doesn't change the foundation of the house, right? That doesn't change the structure of state government, the problems with the structure of state government. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, and we don't talk, you think we, the reality we is, the, we're, we're talking with them as clarity. Don't you think the reality is there was so much federal money pumped in here? People got checks, people got unemployment, yes. people got this, that, PPP, XYZ, all this other money was pumped in here. That money is, is, is drying up. That money is going away. And so I saw something, oh, we're going to have a $9 million surplus at the end of the year. Yeah, but we're probably going to have a $2 billion deficit the next budget go around. So when, when, does, when, does all the, when does the ether wear off and people recognize that we're still an economic dumpster fire? We still have the largest unfunded pension liability in the country. We still have horrible wage growth. We're 50th in the nation. When when do those those real re, the reality of those factors? When does that does it start servicing in, in enough time so people can make a decent choice on the next governor? Well, I don't think it. And, and my concern is that it does not. And here's why: you make a very good point that we've had billions of dollars pumped into Connecticut with COVID relief funds. We've seen some of it used for good. We've seen a lot of it not only used for bad, but we don't know what it's being used for. We know what happened in West Haven, and that was a, a, a tragedy, okay, a tragedy. And the fact that that's probably happening other places that we don't know. Yeah, we just don't know about You that. have billions of dollars pumped into the state, not just last year, but this coming year, 2022. Mm-hmm. And that's going to continue through this year for a significant amount of time. What concerns me is that that continues long enough. Nobody cares right at this moment in January of 2022 but in 2023, mm-hmm. you know, the poop hits the fan, right? Right. And that's what I'm saying. And we're we're not going to be. dollar deficits. I can tell people that. Yeah. I do. You can tell people that. You do. But right now, they're like, well, my taxes aren't going to be raised right yeah. now. Yeah. Yes. But next year, you're in such big trouble. And what's going to happen in this state with taxes and what you believe are things that we should be getting or not getting? are going to be so horrific that your head's going to spin. But it's because he got lucky and got these billions of dollars. Now, I understand all states got money. 
Sure. You know, and there's nothing he did, but he's getting the credit for it, right? Yeah, and that's yeah. the problem we have right now. Well, and, and to your but the point. Fact, I... But, you know, the fact is, though, Pastor Will, is mm. that you can have those billions of dollars come in. People can say they're not having their taxes raised right now, but here's the fact. Connecticut is the eighth most expensive state to live in. It is the second highest tax state in the country, and it is yeah. at the tops in the United States of America in unemployment. That is not a record of success. It just isn't. And we're still, as of as of the other day, we found out we're still the fourth highest in the country in terms of move out rate. We have more people leaving, right. even with all the migration from people escaping New York from COVID. We still have the fourth highest move out rate in the country. People are leaving the state in big numbers, and it's all right. people that have resource. They're leaving because they can afford to leave because they, they don't want to pay the taxes here, and they can move to South Carolina and give themselves a twenty thousand dollar year raise just by moving. Well, the, the the problem is, is that, you know, you've heard it. We've all heard it. Oh, look at all the people coming in from New York and New Jersey. Yes, that is true. But you have to talk about the bottom line, right? You mm-hmm. have to talk about, is it a net loss of population or a net gain of population? And so many people are leaving that you couldn't make up the people from New York that came here to make it even even, let alone adding population. I mean, well, I've got the study right here from again. January 3rd. This just came out. Every year this is the most accurate gauge of what's happening here in Connecticut is the is the mover study. 40 50 annual movers just came out January 3rd. And the top states that are losing population, mm-hmm. New Jersey number 1, no surprise, Illinois number 2, no surprise, New York number 3, no surprise, number 4 out of all 50 states is Connecticut. People are leaving Connecticut and and it's the second year in a row we're in fourth place. And it's like the fourth or fifth year in a row we're in top five. So and yet, go ahead. I'm no, I'm just saying. So I mean, when when do people start considering that, or is it to your point? People are so short sighted in short. I mean, fifty four percent of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. So maybe it's because nobody's thinking ahead, nobody's planning. If everything is good today, and I've got gas in my car, and I'm I've, I've got you know free uh, you know tax credit money coming in, I don't care. I, I, maybe that's the problem. Maybe we, and so that if that's the case, how do Republicans or anybody, how do we get people to think out more than a week of, of their lives or a, a month of their lives or a year of their lives? How do we get them to think that way? You know, that's, I mean, that's the age old question, right? I mean, I think it's, it's continuing to talk about it. People like you talking about it, people like me talking about it, all of us, the legislators, you know, our elected officials, people in our towns. I mean, I have to be honest with you, the, that, the fact that we're number four when, that, when those numbers came out, yeah. that is completely where I thought we were going to be. Yeah. Because they have, been, they have been misleading people for the past year and a half since COVID, saying, well, it's terrible we had COVID, but you know, the good news is people are moving to Connecticut. So many pe- more people are leaving <laughs> Connecticut for those reasons, because right. we're the eighth most expensive state, right. because our unemployment is so high, because... It's the second highest tax state. And you're right. It's the people that have choices. I know so many people, and I'm sure you do too, that say, I love Connecticut, but I have to be out of here for six months and a day because why would I ever want to pay all these taxes? Right. Like, loving Connecticut is great, but at a certain point, it's a dollars and cents decision. But literally, if if you're close to retirement and you're expecting any kind of a stagnation of wages or possibly a small decrease, and you can move to another state, and save fifteen, twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars between property tax and and income tax. 
you're going to go. And unless unless there's some compelling reason, you've got five kids, they all live here. But other than that, you're 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 going. And the number one reason why people left Connecticut, according to the study, is it's too it's it's too costly to retire here. Can't retire here. Thirty five percent of people left left because retirement costs are too high. So I, I mean, that does not bode well for us in the next five to ten no. years. No, and I said to you before, and I you know I say it to anybody that'll listen. You know, when I was in the legislature, and um, I'd say you know our job is to make is to do whatever we can to make Connecticut more affordable to live in, is to make it more, allow your kids to leave here to go to school and come back because they can have a job and they can afford their own home, and to be able to allow you to retire and, and die here. I mean, quite frankly, we are we're, we're a no on all those things I just mentioned. Yeah. yeah. We are a no. You can't afford to do any of those things here. Um, and, and the Democrats in Connecticut have misled people for two years that, that this is getting better. It's not get, Those numbers are those numbers. Okay, that's not Themis and Will spinning it the way we want it to turn out. Right, numbers are numbers. You know, they're not our numbers they are, even. Right. They're not our numbers, they're the numbers. Um, you know, and, and, the fact, and the fact that, you know, the sad fact is with this whole home test thing debacle yeah. from last week. What a mess. I mean, I, I have to be honest with you. I've known Max Reese a long time, who's the governor's spokesperson. Yeah. Yeah. To actually have to say... The governor had a, quote, muddy understanding of the situation at the time. <laughs> Do you know how difficult that must have been for him to say? Oh, my gosh. It's embarrassing. A muddy understanding. No, you didn't see the test. You saw what a test looks like. You didn't right. see our test. Right, right. I mean, you know. We had pictures. It's so oh, we didn't have pictures. We had somebody's pictures, but they weren't the ones that we were supposed to have. I mean, Listen, I can send you a picture of test anytime you want. I can go on Amazon and take a picture of a test. I mean, come on. This is like this is like, you know, high school stuff. This is this is this is the governor of the state of Connecticut. I mean, that's what I'm saying, but you know, and I laugh at it. It's not funny. It's it, but it's it's, it's not funny. It, it's, it's frustrating. Sadly, it's not. But funny. how do you get how do you get people to look at it and say, "Wow." Because you know, again, it's it's how to get people to look out outside of their immediate time zone, you know, whatever you're still looking at now. It's how to get people to look down the road and and uh, the future for our kids, our grandkids. It's just, oh, my goodness, it's so frustrating. We need some change. Now, okay, let me ask you this. I've been hearing this uh, a lot, that the the, the national nationally Democrats are not going to do well next election. They're going to lose the House, going to lose the Senate. Um, Democrats are retiring in almost record numbers, not quite record, but massive Democrat retiring uh, in the Congress. I've said, and I, I think it's true, if, if any people are going to run this year opposing a Democrat, this is probably the best year to run. Because I, I wonder nationally if this will have, I don't know if this is even a, a right political statement, like negative coattails. If Democrats lose heavily nationally, will they also lose here in Connecticut? I don't know if that's true or not. Do you think, do you think this is a good year to run? I, you know, I have to be. I could be just blindly optimistic and say yes, um, but if I'm being honest with you, we in Connecticut don't always follow what the federal does, right? We just mm -hmm. don't. I mean, we can look back and we can see it. I think what I do know is people are getting very frustrated, mm -hmm. and what I also know is when we talk about back to numbers, that Joe Biden is in the low 40s, the approval rating in Connecticut, which is almost unheard, unheard of. of for a Democrat president yeah, yeah. in the state of Connecticut. Right. right? And, and for those reasons, 
besides my own feeling in my gut that, you know, I hope every day people get more and more frustrated and see that their elected officials in Connecticut, the governor, the legislators, et cetera, are, their senators, their congressmen are not serving them well. Mm-hmm. You know, I hope that they see that more and more every day. But also, you know, analytically, the fact that the president is so unpopular here, I'm hoping that that actually brings people more to our side mm-hmm. and gives us a chance because clearly, again, eighth most expensive state, second highest well, all, all those things and, being and true, we only, we only have about, what, eight months to get this thing done. So right. if, if we're going to make a... some noise, we gotta we got to do it now and, and right. press full court for eight months. Themis, i got a break. Thank you so much. Great talking to you again. Uh, appreciate you. your time very much. Themis Claritis, thank you for being my host, my guest today. Thanks. Glad you're back. Okay, thank you. All right, we'll be back. Stay with us. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.